the Priory Society Podcast. Hey, sexies, welcome back to the Priory Society Podcast. Now get ready because we have a very special topic for you guys. We're going to be talking about living with a disability and also being a sexual person and how you handle having sex, having conversations, being in a relationship where you're trying to fulfill your sexual desires and your fantasies, but you might have some physical impairments. Uh, You might just have to do things a little bit different. So we are going to just dive into that with our guest. He calls himself the queer cripple, and you're going to find out exactly what that means, who also has his own podcast. Enjoy sexies. Welcome to the Priory Society. This sexy lifestyle podcast is for sexually open-minded people. Our listeners want to explore their sexual fantasies and desires by participating in the swinging lifestyle. This show is designed to chronicle our journey and experiences. We are not therapists and we do not give medical or professional advice. We broadcast for entertainment purposes only. This podcast contains explicit language and is intended for mature audiences. Hey there, sexies. Welcome back home to the Priory Society Podcast. I am Isis, and of course, my husband Eros is in the house. What's going on, sexies? We have a great topic for you today. Oh my God, this oh, we're is excited. amazing. We're yeah, excited. we're so excited. We've actually been wanting to do this topic for a while now. This is Andrew Gurza. He has a podcast called Disability After Dark. And this so is cool. This is no joke because he has a great listener base. Over 65,000 downloads, Yeah, right? Tons of downloads a day. He's one of the only podcasts that talks about sexuality and disability. This is a topic that we had talked about in the past because mm-hmm. we had a listener write in and this listener has uh, MS, yeah. multiple sclerosis. Exactly. And he said, I love your podcast. I love the fact that you're very inclusive. You talk about all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to guess, and then he got cold feet. Let's just say this. His wife has a very prominent position sure. in the city. So sure. I think it was the move on their part to remain a bit more private, but yeah. we're so happy that we met up with Andrew. Absolutely. And we had a dialogue on Twitter and all of a sudden, started looking at his podcast ton of great reviews oh, right amazing following I mean, his podcast literally has been researched completely and entirely from the lens of a disability how can we spread the word how yeah. can we help people how can we right. educate people how can we be right. more inclusive yeah how can we do this correctly? And uh, podcast is a great way to go. Andrew, yeah. good to have you here, man. Yeah, welcome. welcome. Thank you so much for having me today. <laughs> oh, man, we're looking forward to chatting with you, man. We want to talk a little bit about you as well so that our listener base and our friends, we call them our friends, they can have a snapshot of who they're listening to. Sure. And so let's give the audience and our friends a few snippets of Andrew, and then we'll let him fill in the blanks as well. Sure. So Andrew has actually been featured in a lot of media, the LA Times, Men's Health Magazine, Daily Extra, Gay Times, UK, Huffington Post. I mean, really well-known publications. He was the only disabled cast member of MTV Canada's hit show, One Girl, Five Gays. So (laughs) that was pretty cool. I think he probably opened up a lot of people's eyes that way. We talked about his podcast and he's been on several prominent podcasts out there, including the Dan Savage Show, Savage Love, Cameron Esposito's Query. He's also an accomplished voice on intersectionality of queerness and disability, Mm. right? And uh, of course, we want to learn about that. Travels all around the world, talks about what he loves, what he knows about, and what it means to be your number one queer cripple, right? (laughs) I love that. And then, of course, in the world of labels and, oh my goodness, do you say that? How, why would you say, right? Yeah, how do you identify yourself? Where everyone's so sensitive. I love the fact that Andrew says, you know what? Fuck it. This is what's going on. Here's how I deal with it. And here's how I want to empower others. Exactly. Right. And of course, you can look him up at andrewgurza.com. Andrew, did we miss anything, man? Are we pretty thorough? No, I mean, it's all right there. You got it pretty good. You're good. Good, man. Very cool. So, hey, Andrew, give our listeners an idea of exactly what your disability is and what your typical day is like. I mean, do you get around in a wheelchair? Do you need you know, help during the day from like a caregiver of some kind? Are you living on your own? What's that like for you? All of those things are correct. I am a person living with a disability or in my case, a disabled person. I live with cerebral palsy. So that means I'm unable to walk. Um, so I'm a wheelchair user. Mm-hmm. 
And I do have people that come in throughout the day to get me up, to use the washroom, to brush my teeth, to, you know, to have a shower, to do all the things that I think we take for granted. Um, yeah. sure. But I live completely independently on my own in Toronto, in my own apartment. So I'm, I'm very, I'm very like the idea that I have somebody coming in to take care of me. That's not so much how I would see it. It's like mm-hmm. they assist me with what I would normally do on my own if I wasn't as physically disabled as I am. So I'm very much independent. And my day to day is really much like getting up and starting work on the podcast or starting work on a presentation or I'm a freelancer so I work for myself so my day-to-day is just trying to do the hustling and get my and get my name out there that's awesome and so you were born with basically don't know any other way of living is that right that's right yeah so unlike many people who encounter disability Mm -hmm. my disability was congenital so from birth I had brain damage at birth and I was born three months preemie so I decided to be like, fuck it, I'm coming out right now. Um, <laughs> and I actually was born in L.A. I was born in Orange County. Ah, cool. Oh, Orange County. So we got when I was born, I mean, they didn't know much about CP. They didn't really know what it was. They assumed that I would be dead within a couple hours. And I was like, fuck you. I'm staying for a while. <laughs> so I like stuck around. That's so cool. Well, obviously, you're still kicking and you're still, you know, making headlines, so to speak, because you are one of the only real advocates out there, I think, for a person with a disability who's also gay or queer, as you call it. Now, um, are there others, Andrew, other people that are uh, colleagues, friends that are also advocates that you're friends with? Yeah, there are certainly there's a bunch of people that I can think of offhand. Um, yes. Carrie Wade, Dominic Evans. I mean, there's so when you look at the intersection of disability and sexuality, a high percentage of us are queer. So many of us are wanting to talk about sexuality, but a lot of us don't get the same representation as somebody who was once able-bodied. Sure. And then I feel like a lot of the people out there don't see disabled people as sexual people at the same time. I mean, they might assume like, hey, your body's not working like everybody else. You really can't have sex. But there are ways around that. And you're really doing your part to educate people on how to make that possible for them. I mean, I'm trying. I'm doing my best. Like you say at the beginning of your show, I am not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm not providing any quote-unquote professional advice what i'm providing is my lived experience as best i can saying here's how i see it and when you know when i have a guest on my show i love to just sit there and let them ghoul me on what their experience of disability is because i also understand my privilege as a white cisgendered man who can speak who has the ability to vocalize Sometimes I also have to sit down and be like, no, I want to hear from someone else who has a completely different experience. So I don't see myself as an expert in this field. I just like that I'm able to use my platform to create conversation. Yeah, conversation and a lot of awareness. So tell us about how you, quote unquote, came out. I mean, did you know that you were gay from a very young age? How was that experience for you? The official story of my coming out, and I've told this on my show before, was when I was 15 I wanted to fuck one of the lacrosse players in my school because <laughs> his hormones were a thing that was happening. Right. Um, and I, I was, that was never going to happen, but I wanted, I really wanted to fuck a dude when I was 16 because I believe that 16 was like this sexual rite of passage where when you turn 16, everybody's fucking. So I wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized very quickly that because I was disabled and we, I grew up in a small town where I couldn't just go out and like meet somebody and fuck, um, that that wasn't going to happen. And I was in love with this one lacrosse player. And I was like, if I come out to everybody, then the world will know. And then this lacrosse player will realize that we're in love and everything will be great. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, nice, a good plan. That's a great plan. Excellent plan. Hey. <laughs> solved, right? So I decided to tell my mom one day, and I, I had been getting the pamphlets and all those things that, that tell you, like, it's okay to be gay and it's all right to be like telling you what to do. And there was nothing around my disability, around being disabled and being queer. So I was like, oh, well, great. I can't really tell them this because how am I going to be gay and disabled? How the fuck mm-hmm. am I going to do all that? So. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I got really depressed because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like, oh my God, my family already has so much to deal with with me. How am I going to, I can't. So I didn't talk to anybody for like two weeks. I was super depressed. Mm-hmm. And I got all emo and it was like end of the 90s, early 2000s. And I was all about Alanis Morissette right after she did Jagged Little Pale. It was, I was all about that. So I had that record on a bunch. Mm-hmm. And I remember I wouldn't talk to anybody for like weeks. I was having dinner at my house one day and my, and my mom says, Andrew, what's wrong? Are you gay or something? And I went, uh yeah and so then she was like oh and i remember she was standing at our big we had a big red ceramic sink and i remember she's standing over it, and she turned around she goes oh oh okay and so we sat down and her first question was like 
So when you watch sex scenes, you watch the guy or the girl, and I was like, obviously the guy. <laughs> <laughs> you dirty so pervert. We, we, we had a really like sweet moment the two of us, and I remember during that that kind of coming out, she said, well, you know, realistically, your life's going to be a little bit harder because you're queer and disabled, and it's going to be tough for you. And she kind of laid it out as gently as she could, but she wasn't wrong in, in saying that. She's very upfront. My mom is very much tells it like it is. Yeah. And so she sugarcoated any of that for me and didn't say that my coming out would be this amazing experience. She helped me understand that it would not be an easy road because of the disability and because of all the intersections that I encountered day to day. Sure. Um, that coming out to her was great. But I mean, that coming out doesn't stop with just your parents. It's a whole continuous spectrum of people you're telling and their reactions. And especially when you're disabled coming out takes on a whole different vein because people don't think you're sexual, especially for me as a queer man who likes dick. Um, this community doesn't know how to handle that. So just because I came out doesn't mean I'm all of a sudden swimming in like the sex I want to have. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, also, you might have left a few uh, clues out there when you demanded an all-male support staff and uh, all-male all caregivers. caregivers. Yeah, I want all black guys <laughs> hanging out in here. Right? <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, <laughs> I wish I had an all-male support staff, but actually it's it's funny because when you're dealing with care, like that was an awesome joke, by the way, but when you're dealing with care and stuff, like you really learn to compartmentalize care and like sexuality. So people think, oh yeah, when a dude touches you and doing care, it's a turn on when actually like, no, you learn very quickly when you receive care to compartmentalize. Someone's touching my penis right now because I have to go to the bathroom right. and I have to be like, there's a really strict like understanding of this is care. Yes. And so sometimes you crave, like, I sometimes like crave the touch of like a sexual partner because I'm so used to having my genitals touched as something that is clinical when all I really want mm -hmm. is really to grab my dick and jerk me off. But that's not something like you get so used to having touch in a certain way that when somebody does say to you, like, hey, I want to touch you because I want to touch you, that it can be really kind of exciting to have that kind of touch again. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Sensual touch, man. Yeah. And, and you're right. It's totally separate. You certainly don't want you. Listen, you want a caregiver to come back. You don't want them to, <laughs> right. to touch your wiener and then you're pushing the head down. All right. <laughs> to, to, to get, yeah. 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 To, you know, obviously, it's uh, <laughs> you fantasize about it. <laughs> would never do it. Would ne that would never happen unless there was like obvious consent there, obviously. Um, yeah. Unless, of course, of course, everybody was super comfortable. Then Maybe, sure. But I mean, again, I don't really want to fuck my caregivers. It's not yeah. something I, that I would ever really want to do unless we were doing a scene where they were pretending to be a caregiver, then sure. But I mean, yeah. that's never really crossed my mind. The way I found out about you was I saw a crowdfunding campaign. And I clicked on it and I was like, dude, this is amazing. And it said, support the first line of sex toys for people with physical disabilities. Click here. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So I went ahead and clicked on it. Please talk about that. What inspired you? What is it that you're actually doing with that? Where can people go to learn about it? School us, man. Tell us what this is all about. Yeah. So my sister and I, my sister who lives in Australia, um, I was there a few months ago on vacation and we were talking about she wanted to do something new with her job and with her work. And she said, well, you know, what would make things more accessible for you? And we started talking about disability things and what would be more accessible and all this stuff. And she goes, well, you work in sexuality. What if we designed a line of sex toys? Has somebody done that before? And I said, well, yeah, people have adapted sex toys, but there's never been a line of sex toys that have been created specifically for people with disabilities, physical disabilities by somebody with a physical disability. And we immediately jumped on that and we contacted RMIT University out of Melbourne, Australia, who has one of the leading teams doing work on this. And we said, listen, here's what we want to do. Awesome. That's Can so we work cool. with you? And they said, yeah, cool. You can work with us, except our fee is 15K. And we were like, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we decided to just do a crowdfunding campaign and see, you know, how far we got. And it's been a slow burn. It's, ta it's been taking a while for things to get off. But I mean, in the last two months, we've raised almost five grand. I mean, it's been pretty awesome how much people want to support something like this. Because there isn't really a toy that has been created with disability in mind. First, what I refer to as disability-driven design. So it's not... It's these toys are never created with disability in mind first. And that's what we want to do is really put disability at the forefront. Mm -hmm. And this research that we're this money we're trying to raise for the research is not just to create the toys. The first stage is to do the research. So to sit with a bunch of disabled people who will be our team to say, what do you need? What, what would work for you? How does this work? What kind of sensations do you have? How does your body work or not work in the ways you want it to? Mm -hmm. How would a toy be the most accessible for you? And how do we do that? 
So the money is really allowing us to do really, really extensive research to ensure we create something that is as accessible as possible for everybody. So are you actively looking for people to participate in like focus groups and market research? Do you have a line of toys that you could test right now with these candidates? No, no, we have literally we're starting from scratch. Right now, it's a big idea that we're just putting together. So great idea. We're yeah. gonna, I mean, we hope that all that's coming. But in order, in order to build a prototype or get anything tangible in people's hands, Hands, mm-hmm. um, literally, no pun intended. You have things <laughs> in people's hands. In their ass. Um, <laughs> we need to do the research. So this 15K will allow us to properly do the research with the team in Australia and kind of get things moving a lot faster. All right. So here's an important one. Mm-hmm. And this is a question that comes from my perspective because we're in the uh, business world, right? Yeah. And you know, people have noticed they tend to be a little weary about, hey, where's that money going to? So tell the listeners, this $15,000 you're going to keep and you're going to use to go to McDonald's, right? That's a big question on sure. people's minds. Or pay rent, things like that. Or is it a fee that goes to a third party? And what does that cover generally? It's going to cover the research. It's going to cover getting a team together. It's going to cover their fees to have occupational therapists, physical therapists, testers. Sure. It's going to cover all those things because we want to work with disabled people, but also ensure they get paid to help us do this. Of course. So the, the money is definitely not going into my pocket at all. The money is purely for the research. Nice. Um, and I mean, I love that because people are concerned about if I donate to your campaign, what are you going to do with the money? Right. It really, like, it's not about us getting money. It's about us doing a social good thing by creating this. And that's what we're, we're aiming to do. So the money, once we get in the account, it goes right over to the university, which will then go right into the research and making sure that these teams get properly compensated to help us build this thing. That's awesome, man. Thank you for clarifying that. Because yeah. look, $15,000 to anyone who knows about developing products is actually a very low fee. Yeah, It's very easy to to get up there once you start doing trademarks, once you start mm-hmm. protecting intellectual property and product design and all that good stuff, the fees will go up. So 15K to get started with some seed capital to get the ball rolling is amazing. It's a great target. So do you have in your head, without giving away trade secrets, a design yeah. or, you know, obviously I want to protect your property. I don't want you to give away your number one design, but would this be like a dildo with a special handle where people can maybe reach around? You know how those back scratchers have like an S curve and you can, yeah. person, yeah. Is it something like that with uh, handles or is it like a fuck machine or what's in your head about what kind of toys you'd like to see developed? I mean, honestly, we don't know yet. That's why we want to sit with the, because I personally have tried toys that didn't work for me. Sure. And then I gave up on toys because I was like, I like human touch human touch is good mm-hmm. yes. so toys were never really a thing that i gravitated to um so i honestly don't know and i don't know what it would look like we right. like when we were sitting on the beach trying to figure out what it would look like we kept thinking about maybe it is a dildo but maybe it's not like it really depends on what the disabled people we reach out to that's right say to us sure. like, wh- how it would work for them it might look completely different than what we think a sex toy would look like i'm really not sure but that's why this money is exciting because we get to create something from scratch with yes. disability in, in mind first. And you know what? It's very clear that the focus group and the university is going to help get you there because mm-hmm. I might seem like a dumbass, but I just mentioned a back scratcher S curve. And it dawned on me that there are some people that won't be able to use their hands to engage a back scratcher, right? So yeah. I'm thinking from a perspective of, okay, well, what would I use, you know, to put something in my ass, that type of thing. But you're right about the human contact. And so yeah. listen, a sex toy is not going to have that pre-cum that you like on your tongue, Andrew. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, how did you, did you get into my head and know what I like? <laughs> Dude, I, ha- wow. I hacked into your hard drive. I'm looking at your pictures of, of all these cum shots. giant penis then is what you're saying? Oh, man. You know, I got in trouble lately because we were talking in an interview. And I mean, I consider myself a straight guy, even though throughout, you know, growing up, bunch of give my friends me, give me like one hour and that without yeah a- i know <laughs> no listen man i'll turn you I, out baby. no I, I can tell you let me tell you something right now <laughs> you know out, out of all my buddies that came out early on in, in junior high school high school you know i was surrounded by you know guys that had come out and we were hanging out at the in west hollywood and boys town weho i mean the abbey cafe rage all those places and I just felt right at home. I never felt awkward. I never felt threatened. And I love the community, man. And there's such awesome people. And yeah. I joke around, but I can tell you something right now. A finger in my butt feels wonderful. Oh, yeah. right? When I'm getting my dick sucked and the girl sticks a finger in there. You love it. My lady had a finger in my ass. And then I said, go ahead and put it deeper. She goes, it's all the way in. And I go, okay, well, maybe you need <laughs> two fingers. <laughs> I can't go any further, babe. <laughs> like, I might need a toy next time, you know? <laughs> I'm starting to cramp up. <laughs> so let me ask you, when you say, give 
give me an hour and I will help alter your consciousness towards bisexuality. If you had a dude who was fully open to experiment, lead us through what kind of stuff you would do with Ooh. that individual so that they can start feeling like, oh, I love that. Play with the balls, a good dick suck. You know, what yeah. kind of stuff would wow, you do? Wow, that's, I mean, where do I start? I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm big on the making out. Like, making out for me is a key thing because I can't get into a lot of the positions that typically. When two male-identified people or people with penises fuck, I can't get into a lot of those positions. So my one go-to move is the dead turtle position, which is me on my back, pretty much unable to do a lot. So oral stuff and anything with my mouth is a lot easier to do. So, I mean, I'm all about a good warm-up make-out session. I feel like that's completely necessary and that really kind of engages somebody with the fact that I'm also super disabled. And they get used to that right away because the way my mouth moves and mm-hmm. all those things is because of disability i mean and then from there there's a lot of body play there's nipples and chest and armpits and all that kind of stuff i mean it's really <laughs> i'm trying to make it sexy it's open. Be also <laughs> um, i love um, it so far man sounds yeah. great <laughs> hey so andrew can you are you able to use your hands to like jack somebody off or masturbate or maybe have them put their penis near your mouth and cup the balls or stuff like that Basically, if you're going to put your penis in my mouth, you have to straddle me, which is hot. And I'm totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. But I, <laughs> and I can't, I can't use my hands, but because of my, I don't have fine motor skills. So I don't know if Eros, when you're drinking off, you realize how much of your hand is using really, really fine motor skills to do that. Yes. Uh, and when you can't do that, like, you know how when dudes jerk off, it's a really fast motion. I, I don't have the dexterity to get to that place where you are really, really, really stroking your cock. So I always feel weird when someone tells me to jerk them off because I'm like, okay, but like, it's not going to feel the way when you do it. So right. mm-hmm. I've perfected how to use my tongue or my thumb too. My thumb is really good. Mm jerk off thing that i used to stimulate partners but really i mean for me it's it's even more about just the intimacy with the person so when i was joking about giving an hour really like we would <laughs> hang out probably just naked in bed i mean there'd be no i mean there would be stuff but i wouldn't feel the need for us to do a lot of things together really like i am learning because of my disability that sexuality and intimacy are a lot more i'm in tune with that idea way more than i thought i would be like a quick fuck is nice but intimacy with somebody whether it's a one-off or not, is really, really way more powerful, I think. Oh, and it's hot. Oh, yeah. No, and, no, that yeah. that part is amazing. And that will fuel your fantasies, I think, a lot longer than just a quick sport fuck. Sure. When you have that cosmic connection with yeah. another individual that's there with you, for you, yeah. and for your pleasure, and sure. wanting to hang out, man, there's uh, nothing better than that, man. Absolutely. But see, I know your tricks, dude. You, you're going to go from a hard cuddle <laughs> right. to a fucking pro. I'm going yeah, to cuddle fuck you until we're best friends. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start romantic and then, you know, let's turn this physical. Already. He's going to wear that T-shirt. I love to hard cuddle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's uh, awesome, dude. That's so cool. So on our podcast, we talk about the swinging lifestyle. So have you ever been in an open relationship with another man or do you consider yourself somebody who is strictly into monogamy? And are girls okay? I mean, do yeah. you date women or no? I don't date women. I have nothing against women. They're great. Or female identified individuals. They're awesome. But my penis does not engorge for them. Okay. So <laughs> I support them in all the ways. I'm there for it. But I do not personally want to get down with them. But I love them. They're great. Just putting that out there. But I will be your best friend and we'll talk about the dick you suck last night. But I don't want to get down with you. In terms of whether or not I'm, I'm monogamous or polyamorous, I have never been in a long-term relationship, period. So I would say that I'm pretty sure I'm polyamorous because I want to fuck everyone. <laughs> all the time. Um, I've never been in a relationship. I don't know what that would look like. I have no mm-hmm. idea because I've never spent time with somebody who said, you know what? I want to get to know you past sucking your dick. Do you want to hang out some more? Like I've never been on what I would consider a long-term dating relationship. That's never been something I've encountered before. Yeah. Now, is that something you're open to if the right person comes along? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm open to all that. But I think in queer male culture that is unfortunately so biased towards a very particular able-bodied aesthetic, I don't fit what it means to be a queer man in today's homonormative societies. I don't have a six-pack. I'm not going mm-hmm. to the gym five times a week to work out. I mean, that, isn't, that isn't my day-to-day. I'm, a, I'm more of like the cuddly care bear that wants to maybe suck your dick <laughs> sometimes, um, which I'm down with. But... I don't really fit any of those aesthetics. So when you're disabled like me, 
there would be some care that I'd require and things that you'd have to kind of get used to to be with me mm-hmm. in, a, in a relationship. And I think that scares people off. So I've never had the, the chance to even explore what that would look like. Yeah, you see, you talk about the possibility of a relationship, but I can tell you right now, from experience with a lot of friends in that community, mm-hmm. the homosexual community, hanging out right there in West Hollywood, I can tell you that those guys are very promiscuous. So a lot of them do not have long-term relationships. Yeah. Those guys are just fucking around all the time and they're bouncing around from partner to partner Flirting and they're having everyone. a yeah. they're having a grand old time they're having a gay old time right? <laughs> no, they're, they're just happy man they're doing their thing and so yeah I can imagine that us knowing that mm-hmm. that at least my friends are bouncing around they're very promiscuous that for you would be a, even a bit more difficult if you were going to nab one of those dudes I remember working out at a uh, it was called the sports connection gym in West Hollywood and everyone used to call it the sports erection okay now <laughs> I used to Oh, dude, I I would go in there and those guys, most of them would just hang out in the locker room. You talk about guys going to the gym. Yeah, they might work out. But I remember seeing guys lingering in the bathroom for hours. Yeah, like why why are they working? That's like hot, but it's also a little bit like it's a a touch on the creepo meter. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. So the, that's the, the, the fantasy is to fuck, right. to fuck you. Yeah, like I'll cruise you, but I also won't be like a creeper about it. If there's, <laughs> if, I mean, I will say that if there was an accessible shower where I could get my wheelchair in and somebody wanted to fuck me, like I'd be down for that. But these porn fantasies, especially like the gay porn fantasies of like the super masculine dudes who right. like finished a game and are going to go fuck each other in the locker room, that's hot. But for me, that's not realistic. My fantasy is like, let's go have a coffee, let's go peruse the bookstore, and then. Come back to my house and suck my dick really hard. Yeah. Like, right? super, I'm a big, big proponent of let's have some romance in the fucking we're having because yep. it makes me connect to you anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would love to roam around the, the Wayho gym and stare at all the dudes, but I would also realize that none of them would probably be into me because they've been taught that I don't meet their standard of what gay is. So it's mm-hmm. hot, but not necessarily realistic. Dude, I see your picture on Skype, and you're wearing the little tank top. Dude, that's like, that's like the gay uniform. Man. You have like a devilish look on your you have face. Good biceps, good biceps. He has a little bit of facial hair. Yeah, right. Right. I, I'm pretty sure your husband is hitting on me right now. I don't <laughs> how I'm supposed to handle that? Handle it however you like. No, you got to take I mean, you up on that hour. Well, you just seem Pleasure like an, you just seem like an awesome person in general. But I have a question. And this is so ready. A, a personal question. You were wow, talk- like, and you're saying we haven't gotten personal. <laughs> exactly. No, so far, it's just been surfacey, bro. This is where it gets dirty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So you were talking a little bit earlier about fine motor skills and how it's hard for you to get the momentum and the dexterity to actually masturbate and jack off. But so how about yeah. your penis? What gets you hard? What gets you to the point where you can come? How do you deal with that? Well, luckily for me, and I speak from some penis privilege here, I'm not paralyzed there. So people assume because I'm sitting in a wheelchair all day, they assume immediately when they see a wheelchair user, mm-hmm. that person is 100% paralyzed. My dick works just fine and gets hard at the drop of a hat. Actually, I was listening Mm -hmm. to one of your episodes before we recorded today to Mm -hmm. kind of figure out who I'd be talking to. (laughs) And when I heard Eris' voice, I was like, oh, all of a sudden there's a tingle there. (laughs) How do I... So, I mean, it gets hard pretty easily. And yes, I'm flirting right back. I don't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> Are you trying to say that you want to put your penis head near my vocal box, in my mouth, near my throat? I mean, that's what he's that saying. Offer? <laughs> that's what he's saying. Dude. Like, when can you fly what out, right? allowed to do? <laughs> but to answer the question, I get hard pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And sometimes because I can't masturbate as regularly as I'd like to, because as I get older, due to my cerebral palsy, the muscles in my hands get really tight really fast yeah so the typical jerking off motions even like i said earlier my thumb is my jerk off toy that really hasn't been working out so well for me and i also started having to use catheters to pee and stuff so the idea of jerking off kind of hurt for myself so i don't masturbate on my own anymore that's why i have lovers do it so arrows if you'd like to no i'm kidding (laughs) but but, uh, like you know i don't jerk off as frequently as i'd like to anymore so sometimes i'll be watching a porn and i'll just come and i won't even be really that aroused but my body will know that it's time to release this Mm. this fluid and like that is kind of embarrassing to be sitting here watching like Grey's Anatomy or something and all of a sudden (laughs) it's like I've got to come like okay where did that come from so it can be really kind of emasculating to be like oh 
I didn't even have control over that. That's embarrassing. But part of me is trying to reframe that to be like, oh, that's kind of awesome that I can just come just like like it's my weird superpower that I can just come right. when I think about sex. It's funny because lately with lovers that I've been with, I haven't come. And you see, I'm really upset about not giving the money shot because we're taught in porn and all the things that we watch around sex that right. the whole point of the porn is the cum shot. Yeah. And so what I'm learning a lot of partners is to not even worry about that to just enjoy the experience of whatever it is and if they don't come or i don't come it doesn't mean that they didn't enjoy it it just means that they didn't come oh that's right yeah even in the swing world andrew there have been many times the partner that my wife is with yeah for whatever reason mm -hmm. he's just not able to ejaculate and he starts getting down like oh i'm so sorry i don't know and meanwhile i'm over there with the guy's wife and i'm you know doing my Latin lover drilling session. Pounding away. I, yeah. I had a feeling you were Latin. I heard your, I was listening to your voice. And like, I think he's Latin, but I don't want to say because I'm not sure. So I'll just <laughs> yeah, I'm Mexican, dude. So I drink a lot of milk so I can come a lot. I don't know if that works, but it's just a mental thing. Yeah. Again, what are you offering a few later? <laughs> Again. <laughs> Um, How I'm much gonna, is the flight to LA right now? I know. I know. <laughs> he, he's gonna. I'm gonna get an Amazon wish list, and it's gonna be a, a gallon of vitamin D milk from yeah. Andrew Toronto. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. I think that crowdfunding is gonna increase to accommodate a couple plane yes, tickets to LA. Yes. <laughs> it's fucking to LA hotel room. It's all right. Right. Yeah. You know what? And we realize that the lovemaking and the sport fuck sessions or yeah. whatever it is that you're doing for us, a partner swap. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand I said wife swap recently and people got really upset because you shouldn't say wife swap. You know, right. these podcasters and bloggers don't say wife swap. That's an object. And I'm like, all right, dude, partner swap and like, whatever you want me to say. When we're doing a swap scenario, it's so erotic. The make out, the hanging out, the kissing, yeah. enjoying the drink together, the conversation. If I were at a point where I'm just either worn out or maybe I've come a few times that day, I would be totally fine. Foregoing. Come a few times a day. Fuck you. That's you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what am I doing to come a few times a day? Fuck right off. Listen, 12 to 18 squirts, dude. Uh, you know, I can't help it. That's just the way it comes out. <laughs> uh, I think you need to send me a private photo at the end of this. <laughs> I think I will. We do have cum shot pics that we've taken. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down with that. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think I'll include one. I'll put that on there. It'll be headless, obviously, for privacy reasons, right. but yeah. But on a female body. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's going to have to picture a hairy chest yeah. or something. <laughs> so, hey, man, talk about this. Your podcast. Yeah. How long have you been podcasting? Approximately how many episodes are up? What do you talk about there? I want to tell our listeners about you so they can go out there and listen. Where can they find it? All that good stuff. Yeah. The podcast is called Disability After Dark. It's one of literally three podcasts around chronic illness, sexuality, and disability. So it's really one of its kind. I've been doing it now since September 2016. So almost two years. Cool. We're just at about, like, after I speak to you both, wonderful individuals, I'll be recording a, an episode for the show and it'll be episode 97. So we're almost at 100. Nice. Which, awesome. Uh, which I'm just fucking floored about because, and you know, you guys just started this. So when you start doing it, you're like, no one's listening. No one's going to listen to my stuff. I'll just put it <laughs> out there and see. And then yeah. all of a sudden the numbers start to go up and people start finding you and listening. And it's like, wow. And you know, I thought that I wouldn't get a lot of reviews and the stuff that I've been getting from within the disabled community has been so inspiring for me because it's them saying, you know, I've never heard this before. This podcast makes me feel at home. This podcast makes me feel really comfortable with my body. This podcast is educational and giving me ideas and questions around sex and disability so it's really been i am so shocked that the little show that i do like you said earlier you were driving to your studio and i was like oh that's awesome they have a studio my studio is literally my house a microphone and my audacity software it's yeah. all you need really so i mean it's this little show that i didn't think would go anywhere and it's transcended like 65,000 downloads, which for a podcast about sex is, I think, a big deal. I'm pretty sure. It is. Mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. Huge deal. And so I'm really, really proud of it. We tackle things. You know, nearing 100 episodes is hard because I'm, I'm reaching a point now where like, I've talked about stuff. How do I either reinvent the topic mm -hmm. or talk about something new? So now I'm really trying to go outside the box and talk about different things. So I've done stuff on anal sex. I've done stuff on oral sex. I've done stuff on porn. Well, disabled. I've done mm. stuff on reviewed movies that 
features sexuality and disability to be like, here's why this movie was an ableist mess and how do we fix it? Mm -hmm. I've done pretty much everything and I really enjoy the idea of going outside the box. And then the guests I've had have been phenomenal. We've talked about their experiences and they've been willing to come on and be really personal about their sex lives with me because, again, I want to create a community around this and the podcast is a great way to do that. Awesome, man. What's the website for the podcast? I had it on my website, but I had to take it off there because it was eating up too much bandwidth. So it's actually on all of the places where you pod. So it's okay. If you just go on iTunes or Google Play or um, Stitcher or Spotify, it's all on there and it's just Disability After Dark and they can connect with me through my website, andrewgerza.com. We'll definitely add a link to your show so that people can go listen in, and we'll do that here in the show notes for your episode. Not sure what episode number you'll be, but as soon as I do know, we'll send you out a message and obviously a link to the show and all that good stuff. But we're not done, man. I mean, listen, you might have to run out, but we have some last minute questions as well. How are you on time? You're okay on time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm totally good. No, no, no. All right, perfect. So what I want to know is when you're in front of a computer and you're going to watch some porn, what are your... (laughs) That's what I was going to ask (laughs) What are your porno search terms? Currently, right this very second, I want to type in like Latin lover, but oh, um, shit. <laughs> you just have to go to PriorySociety.com <laughs> for that. <laughs> I went on there, but because you're being, you know, sexy anonymous, there was no photos because I immediately was like, I want to know what this arrows person looks like. So <laughs> on our Twitter, to... on our Twitter, we have pictures of us. We just put an overlay over our, our face, face yeah. just to create a little privacy. You don't want to make it that easy for our friends or vanilla friends to find us. But at least at this point, I think later on we'll have no issue with that. I have a feeling that I will suss out the actual photos of who you are. I'll find a way. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, probably. <laughs> probably. But no, of, course, of course, I understand why. And I think what I'm really, just to go off on a weird tangent, I kind of like for your brand that it's kind of like, oh, what is like when you first reached out to me, I was like, what is to be really blunt? I don't know what priority means. So can you lay it out for me? Yeah. And so priory is an old church, like an abbey or a monastery. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. And from the very beginning, when we were all secretive about our sexual activities, sexual yeah. encounters, and our families would ask us, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going to Palm Springs for some sun and some pool. And we were going to a swingers event. You yeah. know, So we felt like we were living in a secret society, a double parallel life life, of privacy and sex and intrigue and like secret agents and passion yeah so we said priory society because we believe that the swinger lifestyle is a secret society where you really can't share with others your sexual desires what you're into Mm -hmm. you know people ask you at work or friends what'd you do on the weekend Eh, we just kind of hung out and the reality is oh we fucked you know a sexy couple and then we went back and she sucked my dick in the parking lot and we can't say that so you have to be real politically correct and corporate and environments you know so that's where that name came from a priory society just a collection of freaky and sexually open-minded individuals that kind of have to bend together and rely on each other and that's why we called it the priory (laughs) society so now you know man (laughs) that's awesome well i think that's so cool um so to answer your original question what porn do i get off to yeah dude twink twink I mean, no. The little young, I mean, the little no, young guys. I'm not yucking him with yum. Twinks are great. And all the more power to you. If I'm being super like, again, because of queer culture and what we've been taught to like. Yeah. I'm really into like muscle dude. I really like dudes with muscles and body hair. Body hair is my jam. If you have mm. chest hair, I will be your best friend. Oh, shit. Um, okay. I'm all about it. I also really like guys who are ginger. Oh, okay. It's my favorite thing ever. And beards. A really nice quaff beard. Prince Harry. He wants like, to fuck Prince Harry. I want to fuck yeah, Prince I Harry want, too. I want to fuck a, I want to, I want to fuck a muscle bear, basically. Um, <laughs> okay, me first. <laughs> All right, we'll take yours. Sloppy seconds, yeah. man. <laughs> No, that's awesome. So you're not putting in twink. All right. That was just a generalization. I thought you might want a little, a tight, little perfect looking asshole. Yeah. A little pink asshole. He he wants a hairy asshole. No, I mean, I mean, listen again, just we're going to be clear. Anyone who's into that, I support you all the way but that doesn't really make my dick twitch too much but like if i'm gonna be really direct with you i want a hairy asshole and i am down for all those things i want a nice sculpted hairy muscle ass i mean really that's that's my jam bubble butt you know these Mm -hmm. guys do a lot of squats yeah yeah a lot of squats with some you know Ass hair is a thing, and I'm I'm cool with it, so it's fine. Oh, ass eating, huh? I hate, I hate. That's it's it is a delicacy unlike any other. <laughs> oh, so you eat the ass like groceries? Yeah, I, okay, yeah. like a melting I, ice I cream. Take cone. a bite out of that peach. I'm good. I'm all right with it. 
That's so That's awesome, man. I love that. I love getting my ass licked and rimmed. That's you do. Yeah, do. Really, to bring it back to disability for like one second, eating ass is really accessible because it <laughs> sits in your face. I mean, I mean, yeah. could it get any easier? That's right. That's right. It's almost like the perfect Well, the position. ass, the asshole, and then the taint, the perineum. Is it called the perineum, that little meaty part in between the balls and the asshole? Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's sensitive, man. That's a, and then the balls are right there. And a lot of nerve endings. The guy can lean back, and before you know it, dick's in your mouth. You know, you got well, all the pre-cum everywhere. Yeah. I mean, just know the arrows is where I'm an expert at that. I know how to make things happen there. Damn. Awesome. <laughs> that's on your skill set. It's <laughs> on his resume. <laughs> that's fucking beautiful, man. I love that. So, Andrew, how how do you meet people that you have sexy playtime with? Is there like a dating website for people with disabilities? Um, or are you on just this is, other sites? But it, there is, but it's gross. I would never. It just seems those sites seem really ableist. And they're like, oh, mm. you can go on dates even though you're disabled. And they seem really like kind of really pandering to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's not sexy. So I don't go on. There are sites like that. But I feel like they're created by a non-disabled person who doesn't really understand what living as a disabled person is like yeah i mean i mean people on the apps i mean people i don't really go to bars much i'm a kind of homebody my deal is like netflix and chill kind of thing and a lot of the bars are, are not physically accessible to me like Wayho, actually there's a bar there that was in controversy a few weeks ago for pride and they and i'm gonna call them out because i don't fucking care come at me i don't care yeah. um flaming saddles in in Wayho is a really prominent gay bar out there and they apparently refused a disabled person entry and said, if you're disabled, you shouldn't be at Pride. Fuck um, that. No fuck way. That. Yeah, because I heard about it on social media and I started a war with somebody on the thread and was like, well, fuck you, and whatever. And the, the co-owner messaged me and was like, we're the most accessible place ever. Like, nobody, we would never do that. We're totally handicap accessible. And I was like, first of all, no one said you can use the word handicap. Secondly... Mm. <laughs> If someone's telling you you're not, you're not. And you need to like shut your mouth Mm -hmm. and listen to them. So um, I don't meet people. I don't meet queer men in the typical ways they do. Like I don't go to the back rooms and fuck. And every time I go to those places in Toronto where I'm based, like every time I go, I feel out of place there. I don't feel like it's a place for me to really be my nerdy, awkward, kind of like disabled self. I'm really a giant nerd that just likes to sit and watch like 80 sitcoms all day. Mm -hmm. Um, So like I don't meet people in the conventional way. So it's on the apps or it's like maybe through friends or if I see somebody on Facebook that I'm like, hey, you're hot. Want to hang out sometime? Like want to go for a drink and then see what happens. Like I'm online. It's much more accessible for me to be sexual. Yeah, I have a technique for you, man. <laughs> this comes from my single days. All right. The technique is the following. Come over for a movie, but oh shit, the TV in the living room is broken. The only TV that works is the one here in the bedroom. Hop up on the bed. Let's watch it here. <laughs> Get comfortable. <laughs> so basically, when I come visit LA, I know how Eros is going to woo me then. I'm I'm ready for it. Yeah. The, oh, man. The, the what, fuse the is blown. Send me. Are we watching? What are, we, what are you going to put on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The TV in the living room. Shit. I don't know what happened. It's not working. Oh. Uh, we can watch it in this one. Exactly. Right? All of a sudden. Oh, kick your shoes off. Mm-hmm. Hop up here. You're, yeah. You're fine. yeah. Get comfortable. <laughs> Hop up here. Lay down. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, let me give you a little massage. Mm -hmm. Right. And then before you know it, you're playing pin the penis on the anus. (laughs) (laughs) Too funny. All right. So so, a few more questions and we'll begin the wrap up here. So when we were chatting before we actually went live with the recording, you mentioned something about minisodes where you do these episodes on your podcast about people's experiences. Erotica stories. Yeah. People submit. uh So tell us a little bit about that and how people can send you the stories that they might want to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's really, it's getting them to write in anything actually about disability. So it's not necessarily just erotica or just about sex. It's about them telling me about their lived experience. So I've gotten some really funny letters about like frat things, funny letters about funny sex stories and things that can only happen to you when you're disabled. And the way they can do that is I try to release them whenever I get a bunch. I try to release them either once a week or once every few weeks. I do one episode that's like a 10, 12 minute minisode before my full episodes. Somebody could submit through disabilityafterdark at gmail.com. It would go directly to my inbox. I would read it personally. And then 
I'll read the email live on the air and then I'll speculate wildly and make hilarious comments and it's a really fun way to connect with the disability community. And also people who are not disabled who might be listening and might want to submit a question, I'd also love to answer those in the Minnesotes as well because so many of us have questions about sex and disability that we don't feel like we have a place where it can be answered appropriately. So I'd like to offer that too on the podcast. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And then also if, if people are looking to support you, maybe throw a cup of coffee your way or something like that, do you have a way for them to do that if they want to support your show? Yeah, they can go. The show is actually produced through my little mini podcast production company, Cripple Content. So if they go to patreon.com slash cripple content, they can pledge as little as $1 a month. Just helps the show go. And I also have a research assistant who is remote from me in Vancouver, Canada, doing work for me around the show, doing research around the show. So it helps me pay them and keep my research assistant happy. And it helps this groundbreaking show stay up and stay afloat. I think it's great. Yeah. And I would encourage people that are listening in to do that, to support the show, to go to the website and make a pledge or whatever, you know, however sure. you have it set up there. But I think it's noble because check this out. We know, and I can tell you, man, running a podcast is exactly that labor of love. Yeah. It's, it's a something that costs money. Okay. Sure. I know that hosting is not cheap. I mean, our hosting is through the roof. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have nice high speed hosting and so forth with a good responsive site, yep. it's a lot of work. So we totally get that you have people helping you with that and it'd be nice to compensate them, you know, give them a nice bonus, a nice gift, that type of thing to keep. And, you know, they are also 100% disabled. So like I was saying how the whole show is researched and produced by a team of disabled people i've tried to really keep that in the family if you will because i think yeah fuck yeah that's awesome mm -hmm. yeah i think when disabled people are on the production side of things and doing it creating this stuff it's really really powerful so basically your dollars will go to make sure that disabled people get paid for doing awesome things about sex so yeah. so yeah. cool i mean we've had an amazing time hearing all that you're contributing to this community but as a wrap-up as we start to kind of close out this episode we want to know what as we start to close out the episode am I going to get Eros's number or is that <laughs> I'm going to send you a flaccid dick pic <laughs> and a I hard feel like one. that's fair I'll, I'll accept that that's good <laughs> a hairy butt pic no, we'll send him a cum shot. I, we have several. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, so I'll send him that. But here's what I like about Andrew's perspective. Yeah. Me, this is for everybody listening in. Not once did you ever get a feeling of pity, of, oh, mm -mm. not once. Not at all. No, Andrew's, his perspective is, you know what? This is what's going on. This is what we're doing about it. Yeah. This is how we're helping people join us so mm -hmm. that we can empower more people. Right. Never did you hear, oh, oh my goodness, right? right. Fuck that. Absolutely so I, I love that attitude. We're breaking through walls. Yep. We're going at it at a high rate of speed. Here's what we're taking care of. My guys. life is so, awesome. Yeah, yes. absolutely. He's embracing all that I mean, shit. Yeah, I, and thank you. I mean, that's not to say, just to really quickly end off there, that's not to say there are moments of disability that fucking suck balls. Well, come sure. on, of course. Like, I think it's important to remember that it isn't always... With my disability, it's never something I'm overcoming. It's something I'm living with. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is intrinsically 100% a part of me. So when people say, like I was doing a, to go off on a weird tangent before we end, I was doing a talk the other day and somebody at the end of the talk said, you know, I don't see your disability. And I went, oh no. Right. And I was in front of like 45 people. So I couldn't, right. I couldn't <sighs> be super direct. You couldn't slap them around. And, right. and do my job and be like, oh, thank you. But inside I was like, oh, dear. Like, like, there are moments where I do have pity. There are moments where it is hard. There are moments where I am definitely fucking angry about my disability. But I understand that as a public persona, I want to talk about that. But I also want to say you can have all the feelings you want about disability. But at the end of the day, like, it's... I'm proud of it and I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, no, That's no. Amazing. It's a great outlook. Absolutely. It's a great outlook because at the same time, you can talk about a situation with a cerebral palsy. Yeah. You can also talk about someone who maybe injured their back and is just out of commission for a while. Sure. Maybe someone who fucked up their arm doing something at work, something. Right. Now, so there's an entire spectrum of mobility issues where mm -hmm. maybe you don't have use of your hand and you take it for granted that you're able to do certain things. Sure. And all of a sudden you can't. So within that spectrum, it's important to 
note that absolutely there's a support structure there. Some people will get over an injury and get back. My lady had a shoulder surgery and she was fucked up for months and she couldn't do much. So I can't say that we can relate, but I tell you what, I loved having that parking sticker, dude, that you guys get (laughs) where you can park anywhere VIP. (laughs) Shit. That was the best thing ever, dude. That was the best best part of it. Better than sex. (laughs) It is pretty awesome. The parking sticker. (laughs) Concerts, (laughs) VIP. We went to a lot of places while we had that placard. Yeah, we're like, fuck it. Yeah. Well, because it was legit. It wasn't, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, what kind of tips do you have for people listening to this episode if they're dealing with a disability and they're not feeling sexy and they're not feeling like they can perform or they're having issues meeting some quality person that they can be intimate with? What tips do you have to get their mind in the game and help them to feel better about themselves and see themselves as a sensual person? I think that it starts with feeling that feeling, feel the shitty feeling, talk about it, write about it, ask for help. Because disabled people don't, even when you are as in tune with my disability as I am, I don't have somebody that I can talk to regularly about my stuff. Like I have friends and people that I go to in my community, but talking about stuff that the non-disabled community takes for granted when you are in that position can feel really vulnerable. And I say, tap into that vulnerability, own that for what I think vulnerability is really hot. Vulnerability gives me erections all the time. So I say feel that vulnerability and talk about it and understand that if you don't feel quote unquote sexy, try to redefine what your idea of sexy is for yourself. Because often when we don't feel sexy, we don't feel sexy from a very ableist standpoint. By ableist, I mean we're looking at it from a non-disabled person's lens of what sexy is. Mm -hmm. Sexy as a disabled person is a whole broad, different, beautiful way of being because of disability. So realize that you are a unique fucking unicorn and that no one else can take that from you because of disability. Yeah. And disability, it doesn't mean that you're an inspiration. It doesn't mean that you are overcoming. It means that because of your disability impairment or chronic illness, you are able to see the world in a different way and to process things in a different way. And that, I think, is fucking sexy. I love that. That's an empowering message. Dude, yeah, fuck yeah, man. So Andrew Gurza of andrewgurza.com and also the podcast Disability After Dark. Man, it's been a pleasure having you on here, bro. Thank you so much. It was so fun. And thanks for allowing me to be openly flirty with a hot Latino. Oh. Oh, dude, you're you're making me pre-cum right now. Listen, (laughs) man, look, I joke around about it sometimes. Mm. I I had this fantasy. I was watching porn and I was like, you start clicking around porn sites and before you know it you're watching shemale porn and you're in the dark side dude you go you watch the scat video i'm like what what where am i now and then i have to pull myself back to like the you know barely legal cream pie girls (laughs) but in between there's all this shit that there's two guys fucking and i'm like i stop and look and i'm watching these videos of two dudes yeah and i'm thinking uh Okay, maybe, but you know, you start thinking about it, and yeah. I don't know. Maybe uh, as I evolve, uh, maybe I'll be into the prostate orgasms or something. Maybe like something I said, I like I said at the top, give me an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do the whole body rolling orgasm without actually ejaculating, right? Exactly. I've, heard, I've heard about that. Oh, yeah. Of course, I'm talking mm-hmm. to a guy who comes while he's watching yeah, just a, without a, a hot doctors yeah. on <laughs> while I'm Grey's watching Anatomy. fucking Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because he's watching a Patrick Dempsey character. Is that the guy? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was the guy. He, he was in the beginning. No longer the guy. It mm. was the guy. Well, awesome, dude. Oh, Listen, man, we'll uh, post your links. And obviously, we want to make sure to create a nice awareness about your show yeah. and retweet you and all that good stuff on Twitter. Hey, uh, maybe we'll do this again, dude. Get back and give us an update on what's been going on and share some more insights with our listeners uh, so that we can do a nice podcast collaboration. But Andrew, thanks for coming on with us, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you both. It was great. All right, buddy. Have a good one, dude. All right. Talk later. Dick pic coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Come shot coming soon. Bye, Andrew. Bye. Love, enlightenment, pleasure. Discover your pleasure.